Hello and welcome to Killing It the Crime Cast. I'm Lux. And I'm Sam. And we're the couple that crimes together. Oh, how God. Ch- how cheesy was that? Didn't, didn't someone tweet that? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. It's uh, I love it. I think it's 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 really nice that people are saying like nice things like that. But and people were wishing us a happy anniversary. That was adorable. That was really sweet. For all those who wished us a happy anniversary, we had a lovely anniversary. We did. We got massages. We had full body massages. Yeah, it was nice. It was lovely. We've got a little bit of housekeeping before we get going on the murder stuff. Um, first of all, I'd like to talk about something that's really exciting and important that's happening. So Nothing Rhymes With Murder is another UK uh, true crime podcast. And they sort of got so excited and, and overwhelmed with the East Area Rapist getting caught. And they thought, we've got to do something about this. You know, we've got to, you know, use this motivation that everyone's got and try and do something that will get other people like him caught in a similar way. Yeah. So essentially, they're doing fundraising for End of the Backlog campaign. Have you heard of that before? I have, yeah. Yeah, so it's um, it's about, they just test rape kits that are, you, everyone knows that there are so, so many rape test kits that have just been sitting around doing nothing and they need to get tested. So that's what End the Backlog campaign does. And through doing this, we can find serial rapists, serial murders, or, you know, you know, there's escalation in serial killers. Serial rapists might turn into a serial murderer. You don't oh, know. absolutely. Um, so they're doing a raffle and we'll put a link for that in the notes, the show notes. And yeah, please do enter the raffle. You'll get loads of merch from us. There's Generation Y that are doing it. Obviously, Nothing Rhymes With Murder are doing it as well. Lots and lots of different true crime podcasts are all donating merch to be the prize for the winner and you can donate as much or as little as you'd like to end the backlog campaign when you um enter the raffle but obviously as much as you could donate would be fantastic it'd be it's, amazing it's a really important it's, cause. A, it's an incredibly important cause a lot of great kits are left completely untested mm. and, it, and it really hinders people getting justice and things yeah like that. exactly on a lighter note speaking of merch <laughs> we have merch oh such a nice segue we, we have we, we have, have merch. merch we've got stickers and badges Heck yeah, we do. Uh, shout out to Elizabeth. Thank you so much. She is the first ever order from our Etsy, which again, a link will be in the show notes. Um, yeah, get yourself a sticker. Put it on your laptop. Show all your friends and be like, oh, listen to murder. Listen to murder with me. Yeah, but, but like show all your friends and the ones who aren't creeped out, they're your real friends. They're your real friends. You should ignore everyone else. Isolate yourself from your fake Yeah, friends. become an incel. <laughs> they're all phonies. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't, don't do any of that. <laughs> no. Nope. Apart from the showing your friends. Yeah, and you can wear the badges. Yeah, wear a badge. I'm going to wear my badge. You're going to wander around with a, a badge of my face on it. And Lux's face on it. Yeah. Um, and also, if this goes well, we'll start getting t-shirts. We want to get bar blades because obviously Sam's a bartender. Yeah, I want, I want a bar blade that's branded with my face. I kind of want a notepad. You know I love connect- collecting little notepads and then just never writing in them. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. really want one with my face on yeah. it. Yeah, we're just going to get loads of stuff with our face on it. Yeah, I mean, if it goes well. If if people want it, we'll do it. Yeah, so if you want stuff like that, let us know. Yeah, do. Um, and the last bit of housekeeping is we've had a couple of five-star reviews on iTunes, Ooh. which is lovely. So just to clarify, whilst we've got a lot of five-star ratings, thank you so much, everybody, we don't get to see who they're from. But when you leave a review, we get to see who it is. So there are three people I'd like to say thank you to for leaving a lovely review. Um, a lot of them said that we have nice... What was it? Not charisma. Nice chemistry. Chemistry, that's it. You and I have nice chemistry. Yeah, boy. It's it's because we spend an inordinate <laughs> amount of time together. Yeah, we don't have any other friends. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, thank you to Justin S. Drown, The Human Jesse, and Mama D9. 
Mama D9. Mama D9. Mama D9. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really, really appreciate it. It made us so happy to Yeah, read thank those. you so much. Like it's it's so nice when you guys leave reviews and stuff. Helps us get more listens, mm-hmm. helps us pop up in searches quicker. And you know, if you like us, help us out, give us a review, give us a rating. We should probably talk about some murder. Yeah, let's do it. Uh do you want to go first this time? I do indeed. Okay, right, jump right in. Hit me with it. So this is the murder of Opal Sturgill. Um and it's set in 1937. Set? It's not a play. Well, I'm going to describe it as if it is. As if it's some sort of elaborate story. Exit pursued by a serial killer. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so, imagining like, like someone's, like someone like a horrible serial killer is like committing a crime or a sexual assault. At the end it's just like, and scene. You were great. I'm I'm heading off. I'll, 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 I'll. Your check will be in the mail. And all the witnesses are like, woo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not the most fucked oh up God. prank show. No. So let's set the scene, shall we? Opal is a country girl from Hookville? Hawkville? I don't know. It's in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and her father was a farmer. So she's a country lass. It's adorable. And her name, Opal, such a lovely name as well. What a sweetheart. It is a really nice name. So, at high school, she met this guy called George E. Wells. I want you to guess what the E stands for. Um, it's going to be something ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? It's going to be like um, Egbert. No. What is it? Big Red Monster children cartoon thing. Big Red Monster children's cartoon? Elmo! Elmo. <laughs> be- Elmo is famously small. Is he? He's red though, right? He is red. You got that. You nailed that. Whatever. It's funny. His name's Elmo. It is funny. His, his, name his name's Elmo. Elmo. Anyway, so she met um, George Elmo Wells at high school and he pursued her. Apparently she was beautiful and lovely. And, you know, obviously a young guy's going to be attracted to her. Okay, that's cool. You can pursue her. But when you refuse her, she refuses you rather, maybe don't ask her to marry you. Yeah, it's a bad move. When she's like, no, I don't want to date you, don't be like, marry me then. Yeah, if your car breaks down, you don't challenge someone to a drag race. <laughs> exactly. So um, he was in love with her from afar and occasionally would just approach her and be real creepy. Um, apparently, um, after she left high school, she started at Berea College. Uh, she was smart. She was beautiful. She joined the Alpha Phi sorority. And Wells had actually started at Berea College just a year beforehand. So he was a year older than her. Mm-hmm. So when Opal started there, he obviously got got his knickers in a twist and was all very excited about her being close to him again. And he started to pretty much stalk her all over again. Um, she told him to leave her alone. She got others to tell her to leave him alone, like her sister and her family and her friends and stuff. And even the college dean told him to leave her alone. Oh my, wow. It was so well known that he was pretty much stalking her that even the dean was like, but bro, she's not into you. Back off. That's fucked up. I know. So nowadays, if that happens to you, I would urge you to get a restraining order. Oh, do it. Because Tell everyone. Tell I mean, everyone. Jesus Buy Christ. a rape alarm. Check in with your friends whenever you're alone. Like, like just because it's like, oh, this creepy harmless loser is following me. No, no, no. You... Y- you just take the precautions. You can't be sure. And obviously, I'm not saying this is the this is the 30s. I'm not saying that Opal was, you know, wrong for not knowing that she could have a, a restraining order or wrong for not having a rape alarm or whatever. Yeah, I'm just, just saying. I'm just saying it. nowadays, do it. So it's kind of fucked up that like the dean was like, uh, "Hey there, Opal, that guy following you again?" And she's like, "Yes." Can you do something about it? And she's like, "I'll see you later." Yeah, exactly. Like he doesn't do anything. He doesn't expel him. He doesn't like. There's no like punishment. It's just like, do you want to stop? 
And that's pretty much it. And he's like, no, and just keeps doing it. So Wells was at Berea College a year before she was, and he was doing really, really well. He was in a lot of, a lot of like sports stuff. He was writing for the newspaper. He was do- just doing really well. And then his grades started slipping, which is like a direct correlation to her entering the college mm. because he's so like consumed with stalking her that he doesn't have time for studies anymore. That's what oh, I read wow. into it, at least. It's very creepy. So in the spring term, his grades just... They just plummet. Well, they, they got sexy. Oh, is that what... The, that's not what I was trying to do. <laughs> His grades got really sexy. Well, you, you were trying to go... You're right. That's what I was not, trying to do. I just put lip balm on. I don't have proper control over my whistles. I'm fluent in whistle. Oh, yeah. The only language you can speak other than English. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm bilingual. Um, so, she had a friend called William Anderson. Now, some sources describe Opal's friend William as a boyfriend some just say a friend some say like a classmate regardless if you're a stalker and you see your prey getting close to another man that you see as competition you're not going to be too pleased with it are you nope so on august 15th 1937 she and anderson were taking a stroll they were walking in a secluded area known as the tristing oak um and this is um what the murder became known as tristing oak murder okay um and wells wells approached them and he, he asked Opal if he could speak to her alone. And obviously you don't want to be alone with your stalker in this secluded area. So she goes, no, you know what, um, George, y- you can say what you want to say, but you have to do it in front of Anderson. You know, you can't just you can't just take me to one side. Whatever yeah. you have to say, you can say it to me. And he insisted. He was like, no, 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 I need to do it like on your on my own. I need ju- just me and you. And she was like, babe, no, like fuck right off. What What difference does it make? And he said, if that's the way you feel about it, okay, you may be sorry. Ooh. Yeah. And then he walks off. Foreboding. Yep. So obviously, Opal and Anderson just continue their walk. She probably feels safe because she's got her friend slash boyfriend with her. But she wasn't safe. Unfortunately, this is a murder podcast. You know what's going to happen. She gonna get murdered? Yeah. She gonna get murdered. So Wells, um, he pops up from behind some bushes. Um, and he brandishes a firearm. So this is the same, literally, like, minutes later? Is like the same? Yep. Okay. They're on the same walk in the same sort of area, like, minutes later. Okay. He's like, oh, fine, you'll be sorry. Walks away, and then just sort of, like, army crawls, I'm imagining, into some bushes. I'm just picturing him, like, like when you see a magician, like, drop a smoke bomb, and, like, the trapdoor doesn't go away, and he's just, yeah. like, crawling, and they're like, we can see you, and he's like, you'll be sorry. <laughs> Shuffling on <laughs> yeah. the grass. He's like, we can still see you. It's just like... Oh, you have no idea how sorry you're going to be. Yeah, it's like a really creepy slash comical. It's almost Benny Hill-esque to imagine him army crawling away. Well, what happened next was not Benny (laughs) Hill-esque. So um, he pops out from behind some bushes. He brandishes a firearm and he shoots at Opal three times. Okay. Anderson tries to get between Opal and Wells, but was unsuccessful in preventing the shooting. He didn't get injured. All three shots entered Opal. So with Opal wounded, um, Anderson tries to grab Wells, but Wells aims the pistol at himself, obviously to be like, oh, don't come near me, I'm going to shoot. And then once Anderson is disarmed, as in the sort of sense of like emotionally, he's like, oh, I'm not going to come for you then. Yeah. Wells runs away. Okay. He just runs. And an hour later, Opal dies from her injuries in hospital. Oh, man. And it was it was exactly one month before her 19th birthday. Oh, man. Yeah. 
So she had everything ripped from her. She had just started college. She was beautiful. She was smart. She was part of the the sorority. She was also part of like an acapella group. She was, you know, she was doing well for her. Why are you smiling like She's that? She's fucking part of an acapella group. Yeah. Oh, I love acapella groups is yeah. what I'm saying. Like I just, I just, they always just make me smile. I know. As a concept. I mean, okay, the thing for me is acapella groups, I know this is going to sound weird, but like acapella groups are like emulating instruments, a lot of them, because they really like music. And oh, like, what's that one we love? A home Free. Home, home Free. Home Free, acapella country oh. music band. I love Home Free. But like, I don't know, it'd be like, it'd be like a team who like, I don't know, like a club who all really like cars. And then part of their activities are them all sitting around going. It's literally not like that at all. I don't know. In my head, it kind of <laughs> is because they're just like, we love cars. So we make sounds like cars or people who like dogs and they just go around like, what's up? And like, I don't know. Those are called furries. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. So, yeah, it's really sad. She got pretty much everything ripped away from her. She was it, it was a very promising life and it's a distressing case. So Wells has fleed he fled he done the fleeing and <laughs> he, he um, done did fleed he done did fleed and police thought he wouldn't be too difficult to find they thought look he doesn't have supplies or anything he literally just left the clothes on his back whatever m- money he had in his pockets and it seems like it was sort of a surprise murder that's the wrong word it, w- it wasn't planned oh spur of the moment yeah so um so, so they're thinking, look, it was impulsive. He didn't bring anything. He's not got supplies. What's he going to do? He's he's not going anywhere quickly. But they do a really good job. They close off stations and nearby roads. And they put policemen there to like watch for him. They also send police to his family's home in case he decided to go there. And they also search his flat. Now, I want you to read this in your best Kentucky accent. The bit that's in red. This okay. is... So I told you he wrote for the school newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. He fancied himself somewhat of a poet. Tell me he tell me he's written poetry. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Son of Sam wrote poetry. BTK wrote poetry. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Please so what Kentucky go. accent. Kentucky so this accent, is please. To a lady. By the way, this is gonna be a generic oh, yeah. like Texan, Kentucky, whatever accent. I'm not I'm not good at regional American accents. Okay, go. Do it. To a lady. Where flowers bloom along the road of life. A weird traveler breathes their fragrance sweet, and thus forgets his daily toil and strife, engulfed in that which could make life complete. All petals hold within their form so clear, a beauty to which open eyes may see, and find that they in all their glory are reflections of the great reality. Thou art a flower, (laughs) blooming in the spring, whose loveliness is glorious divine. Thy radiant glow, and cheerful smiles may bring to someone happiness and joy sublime and courage great to help him to be true along the path made beautiful by you i actually quite like it it's actually like i think it's pretty good i I was expecting it to just be like i like you a lot your hair looks like sunbeams i see i'm on my bike (laughs) but like it was actually like quite grandiose it was like quite a nice poem. i thought it was quite especially the, the last little segment I, I quite enjoy it but um it's mega creepy when you put it in context yeah it's super creepy apparently there were quite a few poems that he'd, he'd written about opal quite clearly because everyone knew he was obsessed about her yeah. it's actually quite an interesting thing it, next time you do like every time like there's a lot of love songs i'm sure you're aware yeah in general 
Next time you listen to one, imagine that the person singing is like a crazy stalker. Yeah. It's really funny. There's a lot of times where it's just like, um, you know, I sort of like really messed up stuff where there's just a loving song. Like, lyric. oh, I can't live without you. And it's like, is yeah, that it's emotional like, manipulation? Yeah, I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. It's just like, fuck, man, this person's like a crazy it's like, stalker. I don't want to like, be with you. Why are you telling yeah. me that your life is empty I'm without me? Like, I'm so lost without you. And the person's just like, mate, I barely know you. <laughs> what, what is happening? Can you leave me alone? Yeah. Um, so they think he's going to be pretty easy to find. Uh, two days after the incident, they haven't found him yet. And this is r- real sad. Obviously, the murder is sad as well. But Wells's father, John, he, um, he issued an appeal. He said that he was worried that his son would take his own life. Okay. He, he, so he, he pleaded with Wells to come home. He I mean, said, that's fair. He yeah. probably would take his own life. He said, even if you're guilty... Even if, like, if you're innocent, come home. It'll be better for you to turn yourself in. If you are guilty, it'll look better for you. You'll probably get, like, a lighter sentence. And if you're innocent, the family will stand behind you and will fight for you. Fuck. Wow. And he said that he strongly doubted that Wells had actually shot at Opal. He said, I never knew he had a pistol, and I don't know where he got one if he did the shooting the other night. Oh, fuck. So this father is in denial. He's there like, that's not my boy. And he's there like, come home, we'll support you. Please don't like, please don't do anything to yourself. We're worried, like we're gonna stand by you. It's just heart-wrenching. It's really sad to see like a good parent with a shitty kid. You you forget that the families of the murderers that we talk about are also victims. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the, in a lot of cases you get family members who are like horrifically abusive and are actually yeah. a, uh, like a catalyst in these people's yeah. murders. But a lot of the time, you know, like, it's not horrific. A lot of these people are quite caring. And BTK's brother handed him in, didn't he? No, that was Ted Kaczynski. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Ted Kaczynski's Unabomber. brother. Yeah. The Unabomber's brother, like, really struggled to hand him in. Yeah. And, like, they, they, they had, like, they had a really strained relationship. But Ted Kaczynski famously was, like, a recluse and incredibly difficult to deal with. And his family still tried to support him until yeah. the end. Yeah. His mum still, like, gave him money every month. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really tough. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if, if you just, like, turned around and it was... so. Golden State Killer, perfect example. His wife and two daughters, no idea. And now all of a sudden, all of their memories of him are tainted. Their family's under, you know, under a spotlight. It's just awful. Yeah. And and you want to believe that they're still that good person that you loved in there. But also, you know that they've done fucked up shit. Also, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. So that really got to me. I was like, oh, his dad just being there like, please come home. We'll support you. Oh, that got to me. Anyway, um, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, why doesn't he think his son did this? And I realized there's only one witness. There's Anderson, who's walking along with Opal when Opal gets shot and dies. Mm-hmm. He knows that Wells is a stalker. So wouldn't that be just so handy if he was going to murder Opal and pin it on Wells? Is this an M. Night Shyamalan twist? No, it's not. Oh, my God. But you no, can't no, no. fucking leave me on like that. No, man. Sorry, I'm, sorry. Literally, I'm literally standing here. You were just like, he was a stalker. He knew he was a stalker. No, no, if no. He wanted to kill Opal. This would be the perfect time. Well, the thing is, like, <gasps> the, the thing is, we don't know because it's literally one man's word against another's, right? So there were no other witnesses. All we know is, and also like, you know, Anderson didn't have a gun on him when the ambulance arrived. Blah blah blah. So like, Wells probably did it. He, I'm sure there's other stuff. It. He did it, but you know, it's it's still. I can see why the father would be clutching at straws and be like, "Well, it could have been Anderson. Like, no one else was there." Yeah. Anyway, Wells was never found. That's why we don't know. Never. Never. And there are four theories about why this was. Okay, hit me with theory number one. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Number one is that he took his own life. That makes a lot of sense. But they never found his body. And there's a manhunt for him. If there's a manhunt and they're looking in like places that a man might be hiding, presumably they'd find a place where a man might hide to kill himself. And then yeah, the body but, would be there. Yeah, but they're like, well, we found a body, but we were looking for a fella that was living. <laughs> no, This boy's Did dead. Give them more credit than that. I, so, I know, I'm just, that, I'm not taking the piss out of them, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, this boy is clearly dead and is therefore not the man who could have killed Opal. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so maybe he could have hitchhiked a little bit and then killed him. What? What? So it's just my head. It's just like, this can't be the girl who got her head blown off by a shotgun. She doesn't even have a head. <laughs> <laughs> How could you get her goddamn head blown off if she doesn't have a head? Logic. <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. So um, theory two is that he managed to hitchhike before the search began. Because obviously the ambulance have, has got to get to Opal. He's got a head start. And then obviously afterwards... After the ambulance gets gets there, Anderson's going to go, oh, yeah, she was shot by this guy. And then they're going to go, oh, okay, who is that guy? Let's find him. And then they've got to dispatch all the police to the different areas, blah, blah, blah. And also, it's pretty difficult to block off every single point from in a certain mm-hmm. circumference. Like, exactly. You know, they're in a park, true. And that's even harder. Like, you can't cover every meter. No, they weren't in a park. You said they were in, like, a secluded area. Secluded area, yeah. But it was like, um, they walked past, like, a chapel. And then it was like... Oh, oh I so thought it was, it was a like park a, for some reason. Well, oh, they live in the countryside. I'm assuming that, like... that You know the village that I live in? You're, yeah, yeah. you're not necessarily in a park if you're walking to... Yeah, fair enough. It's just quite quiet. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. But, like, it's really difficult to block off every single access route. Yeah. Unless you're driving through my village, in which case there are... There is one road. There's a road. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, if he's walking, he can just walk through a garden. Oh, yeah, Fine. you can always go through the fields. He can commando crawl. We've, we've already... Oh, we've already established we've already that he's established very good at he's, this. He's very, he's very efficient at crawling on his stomach. So, um, with the hitchhiking theory, it's, it's 1937, remember? So he very easily could have set up a new identity and just been like, this is my name. I lost my ID. And then they're like, okay. And yeah. just deal with it. Especially because, you know, state communication across state lines wasn't, like prevalent at the time so i mean he, he could have just blended in and lived out his life as a struggling poet well I'm, i don't think he'd struggle those are amazing ah, ah, they're better uh, than what i've tried to do i mean <laughs> that's yeah. not saying much i understand um then through number three four years after opal's murder world war ii began so what he could have done now this is really smart if you enlist under a name in the army and then you get honorably discharged out or the war ends or whatever you then have military records with that name that you enlisted with so you have official Ooh. documentation with a new identity wow that's really clever so he could have done that mm-hmm. and theory four is that he did enlist in world war Two under a different name but he died okay um so regardless of where george elmo wells ended up elmo wells i feel like it has to be said like that elmo. george elmo wells Elmo. Elmo Wells. Yeah, but you, Elmo it, Wells. when you say it quickly, it sounds like Elmer. Elmo Wells. Elmo Wells. I All don't right. know why. 
This dude. Howdy, y'all. I'm George Elmer Wells. <laughs> it sounds like you're saying LOL. George LOL RFOL YOLO. I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> I can't even read my next sentence because it just doesn't go with what would the like vibe that we have right now. <laughs> my sentence was regardless regardless of where he ended up. This murderous scumbag never got what he deserved, and Opal's family never got a trial. Howdy, y'all. I'm <laughs> Elmer Wells, and I evaded capture. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm a hitchhiking uh, son of a gun. <laughs> I'm a hitchhiking son of a bitch. <laughs> Just out in the open road, me and my weighted conscience. Because of that <laughs> oh. girl I killed. Just hanging out, writing poems. Yeah, that's the life. I can't believe I killed that girl, though. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So that was the story of the Tristing Oak murder. That was a good story, man. Opal yeah. I like uh, Opal sounds like a really nice person. I it's a real know. shame. And um, George Elmer Wells sounds... He just like sounds... A, like a fucking arsehole. <laughs> I'm sorry. He like... sounds like he's messed up, though. That's... I because of the dad's comments, I have some sympathy. Yeah. Because usually what happens... Well, not usually, but a lot of a lot of times... You know, someone will get apprehended and their relatives or people who knew them would be like, yeah, they were kind of weird and fucked up. Like Kemper and Gein as well. Yeah, well, well, Kemper's mum was alive. And Fish. Oh, my God. All of his kids were like, yeah, he's crazy. All of his kids were just like, he killed a girl? Yeah, fair. I thought he was going to at some point. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Okay, so do you want to tell me about your story? I sure do. Surely do. Right, so I've got a fella. A fella named Rodney Alcala. All right. Uh, I always thought his name was Alcala. But it's Alcala. How do you know? Did you watch the thing or something? There's a thing which has his name spoken. Ah. Um, so basically, he is a serial killer who murdered a minimum of five women and potentially many more in the 70s in sunny, sunny LA. So we've got two American murders here. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Uh, I've got a couple of content warnings. Uh, a bit of child abuse, uh, sexual and physical. And just other signs, other sexual assaults. Mm. And obviously murder. I mean, oh yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't expect there to be murder, you're stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to play the game. Oh, oh, the game. The game. Which, by the way, tweet us your suggestions. We've had a couple of good ones, but we're still searching for we're that nugget of gold. We're waiting for that perfect. We're like, we're like the, the perfect fit. We're like the pretty girl waiting until the very last minute to choose her date for prom. We're just there like. Or we're like the Cinderella waiting for the right shoe. Or vice versa. Yeah, things, something like that. Yeah, I don't Whatever. know. Whatever. Um, so, the game where I choose a couple, I ex- tell you about a couple of different serial killers, big hitter serial killers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That my guy is like. Yeah, do it. So, I've got two. Okay. Jerry Brudos. Oh. And Bundy. So, charismatic, intelligent man. Yeah. With a very particular fetish. Not quite. So, what's the link with Brudos? Brudos. I will give you one word and yep. then I will move on. Photographs. <gasps> oh, shit. Anyone who doesn't know about Brudos, can I just say, he would take photos of, of the bodies of his victims and in one photograph, they saw his face. He put a mirror underneath the corpse and you could see his face in the very corner of the yeah, mirror the in the photograph. the corpse was suspended from the ceiling. How creepy oh, m- must that have been to come across? Oh. Oh, by the way, Jerry Brudos is one of the main serial killers in Mindhunter, the TV show on Netflix. Go watch it. It's amazing. It's very good. It's really good. So, Rodney Alcala, or Alcala. Uh, In 1943, in San Antonio, Texas, 
Two people with incredible names gave birth to a child with an equally incredible name. Do it, do it. Raul Alcala Burkor and Anne-Maria Gutierrez. Ooh, I love Gutierrez as a yeah. last name. Had a son named Rodrigo Joaquez Alcala Bucor. 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 Okay. So Rodrigo was uh, Mexican-American, but he was born in Texas. So obviously he had to change his fucking name to Rodney. Oh no, did he? Yeah, and he got rid of the Bucor. He, just, he, just like, he went from like, he literally went from Rodrigo Jaquez Al- Alcala Bucor to Rodney Alcala. <laughs> oh, Rodney Alcala. I hate, you know when, when um, people from China and Japan come over to the UK and then they just come up with a different name? Yeah, well there are translations, but it's literally like, someone, yeah. will be like, someone will be like, oh you have this amazing name that has a lot of history and a lot of meaning in your culture, but here you're just like, Andrew. Literally, I had a friend called Yasuo, and everyone just called him Adam because no one could pronounce his name. And I'm just there like, it's not even that hot. It's Yasuo. I mean, we're probably doing Chances it. Chances are you're probably doing it wrong right now. But, but at least I'm trying. I was traveling in Turkey with this guy called Zuren, and literally, me and my friend tried so fucking hard to say his name. And I'm definitely not. I'd be like, Zuren. And he'd be like, no, 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 Zuren. And I'd be like, Zuren. He'd be like, Zuren. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm done. I'm going to call you Z. We'll be done with it. Nice. Yeah, standard. In 1951, Rodney's family moved back to Mexico. Uh, but three years after that, Rodney's father abandoned the family. Classic uh, Raul Alcalabucor abandoned the family. Uh, and Rodney uh, was eight when this happened. Uh, when he was 11, his mother moved him and his three siblings to sunny, sunny Los Angeles. Woo! Where the streets are paved with dead girls. Oh! <laughs> in, uh, in 1960, Alcala joined the army. Again, this is like... Classic. Classic serial killer, right? Like, they adopt vocations that allow them to operate weapons and, like, be given authority. Yeah. Uh, he, but uh, saying that, he got a job as a clerk. So, you know, he, like, kept inventory. Uh, mm. But you know he went in after hours and was just, like, holding the guns, like, bang, bang, gotcha, yeah. Yeah. Rodney, killing again. <laughs> bang, bang. What are you doing in there, Rodney? <laughs> Nothing. Um... So, in 1964, after four years of fucking around in the armory, um, Alcala suffered a nervous breakdown, and he went AWOL from his base in Fort Bragg. Do we know what caused it? Uh, No, there's not a lot of information, but we know what mental sickness probably caused it. Mm -hmm. So, basically, he he hitchhiked all the way from Fort Bragg, where he was stationed, all the way back to his mum's house in LA. I Google Maps this bad boy. It's about 550 miles. Woof! Yeah. He was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder by a military doctor. Uh, symptoms of which include little care for other people, a propensity for like violent acts, and a very minimal moral conscience. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Of course, they don't care very much about other people. They don't know what's right and wrong. Really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, later, at his trial for his crimes, psychiatrists would posit that he also suffered from narcissistic personality disorder. Another classic with serial killers. Malignant narcissistic personality disorder. Ooh, what do you know? What I. Looked it up. It's essentially normal narcissistic personality disorder, but it also includes like paranoia and be more aggressive. Ah, so it's um, just like a little bit, little yeah. bit worse. Uh, here's an interesting fact. Uh, I actually think this is really cool. So, uh, for psychiatrists, there are like these official tests for determining whether an individual has a specific mental illness. Oh yeah, I've done those. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's like there's like test questions for BPD, mm-hmm. test questions for narcissistic personality disorder, anxiety, like, and depression, things. anxiety, yeah. depression, and basically it's like question and answer, mm. right? There are two for narcissistic personality disorder. One is like a long list of questions, same standard as all the other ones, like boilerplate standard procedure. Mm. The other one is one question. What is it? Have a guess. What do you think the one question is? Well, if it's for narcissistic personality disorder, 
it's got to be something all-encompassing, like, are you the centre of the universe or something? You're damn close. Really? The question is, are you a narcissist? Because they don't, Because they don't care. Someone who isn't a narcissist will go like, no, no, I'm not, no. But a narcissist is like, yeah, I don't care what you think. I'm, ah. I'm a fucking narcissist. And justifiably, because I'm fucking great. And the results ah. of that are like pretty much identical to the long list one. Oh my God, that's how, really smart, actually. How cool is that? I find that so interesting. Huh. So anyway, um, Alkila was discharged due to these medical reasons. Uh, while undergoing these tests, as you said at the beginning, it was discovered that Alcala had an IQ of 135. Ooh, smart That's like boy. Very nearly genius level. Yeah, so quite Bundy esque. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because of this, he attended and graduated UCLA School of Fine Arts in California. Oh, no. Was he really good at painting or something? He was, he, he specialized. Am I going to admire this man no, a little he bit? He specialized in film. Oh, okay. You, so I'm. So gonna you're going to admire him, whereas I'm going to take a back seat and play a bubble game on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> as you do when I try and show you any film. Uh, anyway, so uh, I, I, oh, I'm getting mad. Let's get back to the murders. Um, <laughs> That'll soothe me. Yeah. So now we're in 1968, and Alcala is 25. Uh, this is where we're going to get some cram. Uh, a motorist called the police after seeing Alcala lure an eight-year-old girl, eight, named, eight, named Tally Shapiro, into his apartment in Hollywood. No. Shapiro was found alive, but she had been sexually assaulted and beaten with a steel bar. Thank God she was alive, though. Yeah, she did survive, which is good. Uh, Alcala had fled the scene. Uh, to escape the warrant for his arrest, he enrolled in NYU Film School under the name John Berger. Right. Where he studied film under Roman Polanski. Now, for Who you, is Lux. This? Oh, no, wait. No. He did The Pianist, didn't he? Yes, he did. He directed oh! The Pianist. And also... He also raped a young girl and yeah. was only recently... It was only recently discovered, right? Yeah, and he is still a fugitive from the US. Yep. And also, his wife, Sharon Tate, and her four friends... Were Sharon the victim, Tate? ...were the victims of the famous Manson cult murders. <gasps> yeah. So this oh, guy... Oh, it all links back. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was really cool. That's great. That's, no, that's awesome. As in, like, in a crazy true crime in circular just a sort way. Of like a weird everything coming together. Intersecting, sort of like. yeah. Are you proud that I knew a director? I am actually very proud. Literally, my brother was talking to me about it yesterday. That's why. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah. In, in 1971, he left and got a counsellor position at a summer camp for kids. Perfect place for a child rapist. Absolutely. What a fantastic place to put him. He loves kids. The kids hate him. Put them together. <laughs> See this bull? Let's put it in a china shop, bitch. <laughs> oh, um, so basically, he 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 joined that using the uh, slightly adjusted but also slightly funnier alias John Berger, changed from Berger to Berger. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Why? Why would you do that? I don't know. It wasn't a fat camp. <laughs> I don't see any reason to do so. <laughs> if it was a fat camp. And he and did he, it on purpose. And he did it on purpose. So the kids would want to eat him. Wink, wink. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's so fucked. <laughs> I know, I apologise. Right, anyway, uh, obviously he was still a fugitive and was on the FBI's most wanted list in the area. Mm. Um, a child at the summer camp saw one of the posters and thought, golly gee, that looks just like Councillor Berger. And uh, and he called it in. Oh, good. Yeah. I thought I'll... you were going to say, and he walked away. Yeah. Huh. huh, that's funny. Right, it's time for gym class. Yeah. Alcala told us not to bring our kid today. <laughs> So uh, uh, Alcala was arrested for the rape and attempted murder of Tally Shapiro. Yeah, boy, you got got. He was sent to trial, but there was one big issue. Uh, Shapiro and her family had moved back to Mexico. 
family refused to allow her to testify at Alcala's trial. Okay, can I just bring this back to what we were talking about earlier with the end of the backlog campaign? Mm -hmm. That is also incredibly important because it is so difficult to testify against something traumatic that's happened to you, to look your assailant in the eye and say, you did this to me, you fucked me up, and to know that the people in the jury or the judge are looking at you and thinking, is she lying? Yeah. That's terrifying. So to have DNA evidence horrible. makes it so much easier to be like, I, they'll know that I'm telling the truth. Or yeah. maybe even you don't even have to go and testify. So I never get angry when people are like, oh, yeah, no, we don't want to take it to trial. Because, heck, yeah, don't do it if it's going to scar you even more. I mean, yeah, th there's a lot of... It's quite divisive. Like, I mean, a lot of the sources I read sound a little blamey. Like, they're like, yeah. oh, the man was dangerous. And in hindsight, he murdered people afterwards. Probably a bad call. But they didn't know. And also... Protect yourself, right? If your eight-year-old is traumatized, yeah, it's not your it's it, not your problem. No. You've moved away. This kid has suffered enough. Yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 your you're job. not law enforcement. Yeah, it's your job to protect your kid. Exactly, not to protect the other kids that may or may not be in yeah. danger. You know. Uh, either way, without a witness, Alcala was only convicted of an assault charge, mm. as the witness for the rape and attempted murder couldn't be corroborated. So the attempted murder couldn't be, and nor could the rape. Right. See, uh, whereas if there was a rape task, exactly. Then, you know. Uh, he was sent back to California and imprisoned, but was paroled after 17 months. What? The early release was due to a program called the Indeterminate Sentencing Program. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. Uh, it was in California and I think a couple of other states. This is where a prisoner could be released significantly earlier if they show genuine signs of rehabilitation. Oh, well, I mean, I know that that's a phenomenon. I didn't know that it had a title. I imagine it was to counteract like severe prison overpopulation. Well, it like, yeah. It's the, fucking, it's the early 70s. Um, but it didn't fucking work. Just let all uh, the hippies go. Like, you know, like all the hippies that are protesting, like oil and whatever, just let them go. Like, what did they do? Chain themselves to a tree? Like, pfft. this guy beat up a young girl. Yeah. Keep him there. Yeah. Um, Alcala very clearly just lied and he said he was rehabilitated. See, that's the thing with people with really high IQs. He's really clever. So, um, Little Tangent, Bundy was able to like convince psychologists and stuff that he was cool because he was so smart and he studied psychology so he knew exactly how to play it. Man, Kemper convinced his parole psychiatrist that he was totally fine. And the psychiatrist signed off saying, if I didn't know this man's history, I'd say he was a completely normal, very balanced human being with a body of a dead girl in his car outside. Mm -hmm. Like, and he had a very high IQ. Mm -hmm. They're just able to do this. It's crazy. Yeah. But, um... So, less than two months after his release, he was arrested for an assaulting a 13-year-old girl. Mm. Referred to only as Julie J, obviously for privacy yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah. This is why he kind of reminded me of Bundy, mainly. The intelligence mm. thing, and also his compulsion to do this is just so strong. Mm. He couldn't even do it, he couldn't even not do it for two months. Yeah. Like, Bundy did the same thing. He escaped from police custody, and then, like, within a week... Like committed another sexual assault and murder. It's, yeah. it's a, a sort of some it's very small amount of time for that. Mm. It's ridiculous. But again, he only served two years for this due to the indeterminate sentencing program. Right. I think no matter how good your behavior is or how balanced you, you seem or remorseful you seem, once you've done it twice... Yeah, repeat offender. Boom. Yeah, you're not sorry, are you? Yeah, and uh, in 1977, just to carry on the theme of complete incompetence... Alcala's parole officer decided it was totally fine to let Alcala, a repeat offender and known flight risk, travel back to New York to visit family. 
This was a super stupid idea because while he was in New York, he murdered 23-year-old Ellen Jane Hover. But he was just there to visit family, Sam. He's just there visiting family. Oh, God, it's fine. It's Probably fine, just went to, went to a play. So yeah, he murdered Ellen Jane Hover, who was the daughter of a prestigious nightclub owner and also the goddaughter of Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin. Really? Yeah, like that's Amore Dean Martin. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so she was uh, strangled and murdered and her remains were eventually found on the grounds of Rockefeller Estate. Now, God. I know what you're thinking. Sam, that doesn't sound like a first murder. A serial killer out of his comfort zone, not near his house, randomly and seemingly out of nowhere. Also, strangulation for a first murder. Exactly. That, my suddenly deep-voiced friend Lux, <laughs> is because it's not his first kill. But I will, exactly. I will explain everything soon. Don't you worry. Okay. Now, for those true crime buffs who have been listening carefully, you will notice that L.A., late 70s, which lovable ragtag duo were making their way through women of L.A. one neck at a time? The Hillside Stranglers. The Hillside Stranglers. Oh, my Hell God, yeah. I had such a mind blank just then. I was like, oh, those stranglers that were doing it in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, what's that called? They do it by the side of a hill. Hillside Stranglers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alcala was actually interviewed by the Hillside Strangler Task Force. Really? When they were interviewing sex offenders. Yeah, he was huh. actually interviewed. This, this story has a lot of ties. I enjoy it. I know, right? There's loads. Yeah. Um, so during this period, so like 77, 78, Alcala was pretending to be a professional fashion photographer. Uh, he lured hundreds of young men and women to his apartment and photographed them in sexually explicit positions. So they say this on My Favourite Murder a lot. If someone tells you they're a photographer, they're probably not a photographer. They're probably not. Yeah. Just probably not. Just don't do it. No. Although the issue is, he's in Hollywood, man. Like, no, there are photographers wandering around. No, just like if a policeman flashes you as bad, you go, okay, can I look at the number? I just want to call the precinct and double check. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely double check. I'm With just saying, I'm saying there's a reason why. It's not like, like, yeah. you know, I, I'm in London. We're in London now. And if we see a famous person, we're like, oh, oh it's a famous person. Well, we're in London. If I saw a famous person in Cambridge where we're from, I'd freak out. I saw Stephen Hawking in Cambridge. Yeah, but he lived in Cambridge, so I mean... I was still very pleased that I saw him, though. It, yeah. was, it was outside of Bella Italia. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, sidetrack. It's fine. <laughs> uh, many of these victims uh, in the photos are still unidentified, but it's believed that a great number of them could be victims in cold cases that could, that yeah. could be linked to Alcala. So, again, they have all these photos... Not very many of them identified. It's really hard. You know, some of them are like, we're alive, like are, are alive and can corroborate that it was just a really awkward position that he made them do the sexually exploited stuff. So you didn't kill stuff. all of the people he took photos no. of? Okay. Uh, but he could have, hence why it could be many more than the ones he's mm. been convicted of. So next up, this is the murder that would get him convicted. Did he kill someone he knew? No. Oh, okay. Interestingly, no. Uh, in June 1979... A 12-year-old girl named Robin Samso from Huntington Beach disappeared. I love Huntington Beach. They've got a dog beach there where everyone can bring their dogs and you can go there with no dogs and just sit there and pet them all and they go and swim in the sea. Mm. Also, apparently it's a great place to ask groups of 12-year-old girls whether they would be willing to let you take naked pictures of them. Which is exactly what he did. But the dogs... Huh. Yeah, that sounds great too. Um, <laughs> That's a lighter side of Huntington Beach. Uh, so essentially the last time she was seen alive was when her friends and her were uh, asked by a gentleman whether they would like to go back to his house and have pictures taken of them. Did they all say no and she said yes? They all said no, but then I think 
he took a liking to her and he kidnapped her after they oh, like shit. split their right, know, yeah, yeah. parted ways. Um, her decomposing body was found 12 days later in the LA foothills. Mm. So one would assume hillside stranglers, yeah. body left in the foothills. They were caught the year before. Mm. They were caught in 78. A sketch was made of, um, of the person who kidnapped her by mm-hmm. the friends after having described them. Um, it was made and it was circulated. Who would recognize it? But Alkalis, dumb shit parole officer. The one who sent him to New York. The guy who was like, yeah, get on the plane, you cheeky fucker. Go on, like, go visit your family. Don't I kill anyone. fucked up. Yeah. And this is how he redeemed himself. He recognized this sketch. Uh, the police searched Alcala's house and they found a key to a storage locker. Inside the locker, they found Samso's earrings. Just a piece of evidence. And I'm certain there was a plenty of other evidence linking him to this. Yeah. Alcala was arrested in late 1979 and in 1980, he was convicted of murder and sentenced to death. Woo! Yeah. Now, this verdict actually had to be thrown out because the jury were improperly informed of his prior sex crimes. What do you mean uh, by improperly informed? That's the thing. Like, I don't know because like, maybe it means they were told they were like crazy insane uh, and, and it made the verdict worse or oh, maybe but- it was like they weren't told about them at all. No, sometimes you're not allowed to be told about previous crimes in case it alters your um, the conviction that you... Yeah. So maybe they... But I think it was because they weren't told enough. Oh, because, really? Because uh, a lot of sources say that they at the retrial, they were told everything. And it, it implies uh... that they weren't told enough. Um, so there was a retrial six years later in 86. Mm. Uh, Alcala being in prison the entire time there was a retrial and literally the exact same verdict was reached to death. He right. was sentenced to death again. Um, this is a little funny note. Alcala tried to appeal this decision on the grounds that the park ranger who found Samso's body had been, quote, hypnotized by police investigators. This come from? I don't know. Did I'm he just pull it out of his I'm ass? picturing this park ranger like seeing the body and like a police officer jumps out and he goes, Look at the watch, you're getting sleepy, sleepier. Look at the watch, and you're under. This dead girl has been killed by a man you've never met before named Rodney Alcala, whom you have zero reason to suspect. No motive to frame him, no knowledge of any personal information or public information about this man. And you're back. And he goes, What what God damn, this looks like Rodney's work. <laughs> like, what it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Anyway. So it's a bit he's clutching at straws here, isn't oh, he? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's really just trying to, to like scrape the bottom of the barrel and see mm. what he can get. So years later, in 2003, investigators were able to finally sample Alcala's DNA under a new state law that they could take it without his permission. Yeah. He'd literally been like, no, you can't take my DNA. And finally, they could. They could have uh, just done it secretly, though. Like, wait, No, legally they couldn't. Gun. As in, because he would have said that was taken without my permission. Oh. Inadmissible, thrown out. Okay. Uh, the sample was matched to semen left at the rape murder scenes of two women in L.A. Mm-hmm. Cold cases then limped Alcala to the murder of four more women. Mm. So the two I mentioned in L.A., mm-hmm. they couldn't be proved, but it was linked. Right. So that's why it's four or more. Yeah. Um, so the four women who he could be linked to were Jill Barkham, 18, in a, uh, who was a New York runway model who was found, quote, rolled up like a ball. Fuck. In an L.A. ravine in 1977. Originally thought to be a Hillside Stranglers case. Right. Also in 77, again, these two were before the time he went to New York. Mm-hmm. So it definitely wasn't his first murder. Yeah. Um, also in 77, Georgia Wickstead, 27, was bludgeoned to death in a Malibu apartment. For fuck's sake. Charlotte Lamb, 31, 
raped and strangled and left in a laundry room in 1978. And Jill Parento, 21, killed in her apartment in 1979. This is nuts. This um, is awful. All of these women's bodies were found carefully posed. Uh, again, Jerry Brudos. Mm-hmm. Carefully posed in specifically chosen positions. Yeah. Apparently, Alcala had taken photographs of all these women in the poses he had chosen after killing them. Just like Jerry Brudos did. Yep. Although Brudos was a little more sick than that because he took them home and took many photographs. And would dress up in their yeah, um, it, clothes that he'd stolen yeah, he did a lot. and jack off to their of shoes. Yeah. So, with this new information, he went on trial again in 2010 when he was 67. Mm. for an additional four murders. Do you know, Do you ever think that it's like so much creepier when you're imagining a trial and you've just got like an old man and you're there like, you could be my grandpa, but you're like sadistic. Yeah. Whereas when it's a young guy, like I've been programmed to just hate men. So if it's a young man, you're like, well, obviously you're an asshole. But if it's an elderly man, you just think that they're sweet and gentle. Do you not, do you not make that link um, in your brain? I understand the link. I haven't been programmed to hate men or women. I'm mm. confused to why you think you've been programmed. Do you like stand up like the Manchurian candidate and just it's, like slap men? It's it's a survival mechanism. That's, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Men are but terrifying. I do understand the idea of like, you see an old person and they seem like frail and they seem like sort of not a threat. Would you like a candy? And they're all stuck together and you have to pry it off, you know. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> that sounds absolutely terrifying. I guess it does, yeah. Um. So, this is um this is kind of my favorite bit. Okay. From here on out, I'm very happy with this story. This is part of the reason why I chose this story. Okay. Um, the trial, and a pretty fun, interesting fact. Okay. So, Alcala elected to act as his own attorney. Oh, it's always to defend himself yeah. against these four counts of murder. He took to the stand in his own defense, and for five hours, he asked himself questions. No. Addressing himself as Mr. Alcala, asking himself questions in a deeper than normal voice and then answering them in his normal voice. So it's just like, hello, Mr. Alcala. Thank you for being here. Like, might I say you look very handsome today? Why, thank you. I say the same to you. Oh, thanks. I got a haircut for the trial. Oh, my God. Same. Oh, my God. (laughs) He like, for five hours, he asked himself questions. I think that's so funny. Um, yeah. That's nuts. I know, it's ridiculous. And also, as part of his closing argument, he played the 18-minute song, Alice's Restaurant, by Arlo Guthrie. Uh, he played it because there's one sentence in it that references a person killing someone, and he said, this song will explain everything. What? Yeah, right? I'll play you, I'm going to play you, like, four seconds of this I'm of ready, this I'm song. ready. And you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Now it all started two Thanksgivings ago, two years ago on Thanksgiving when my friend and I went up to... Yeah, you played 18 minutes of that. That's such a lovely, cheery song. I know, right? It's such a morbid case. And I imagine the jury were just there like, what the fuck is happening? Or just like, finally, a a rest from this guy questioning himself. Yeah, also, right, the line you just heard in that song, it was like, Alice's Restaurant. It's like, you know, classic. But then the the thing after where he goes like, well, it all started back. The lyric is, it all started two Thanksgivings ago, two years ago on Thanksgiving. It's the most redundant fucking lyric ever. But it's country, that's what you do. But it's literally like me going like, it all happened around three Christmases ago, three years ago, in December, if I remember correctly, on Christmas. But that's what you 
do in these types of songs. I love it. It's endearing. No, I think it's bollocks. I think it's just well, that's ridiculous. because you didn't grow up in Kansas. Like, and mate, I, neither did I, but mate, my dad did. Arlo, that's why your song's 18 fucking minutes long. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's super weird. The jury deliberated for less than two days and found him guilty of all charges. In March 2010, Alcala was sentenced to death for the third time in 30 years. Did they do it this time? He is still alive. What? And is still awaiting his death. Yeah. Kill him. Burn it with fire. Absolutely. Right. This is the fun bit. Oh, okay. Alcalus's serial killer name was the Dating Game Killer. This Why? is because in 1978, literally... <gasps> oh, no. Oh, my God, I've heard this. Oh, my God, I've heard this. Literally, in the middle of his murder spree, Alcala was a contestant on The Dating Game. Yes. This is like your classic... Like, There's a bachelor, clip from it, isn't yeah, there? Bachelor number one. Like, dating show. Bachelor number one. He likes to sexually assault children and murder them. Well, he doesn't introduce himself quite like that because I have the clips. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm going to show you these now. Well, let's see. Bachelor number one is a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13, fully developed. <laughs> Between takes, he might find him skydiving or motorcycling. Please welcome Rodney Alcala. Rod, welcome. That's Rodney Alcala. What? Now, you guys obviously won't be able to see this, but I implore you. No, no, no. Please. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. Please go watch it. Because the guy, this guy's... This guy's pretty handsome. He's I mean, dead in the eyes. I don't like his hair. No, his hair's weird. This is 1978. Yeah. But like, I probably would have liked it back then. Yeah, absolutely. So that's him being introduced. The, uh, the next clip is like later in the show. It's it's just so creepy because like he's a fucking serial killer. Yeah. And it's just like, this isn't that he was like going to be a serial killer. He's in the middle of his serial killing. The, yep. This is in the middle of He's it. fresh off the murder bus. Right, yeah. So here's another clip. Uh, this is this is one of those weird, like, I'm a puppy. What brand of dog food would you feed me and why? Like one of those questions. Oh, like the, um, no liking, no lighting. Oh, oh, Paddy McGuinness. Oh, yeah. Uh, What's that called? Oh, um. It's called Take Me Out. Take Me Out, yeah. It is the epitome of trash television. But I love it. Right, so here's the next clip. I'm a drama teacher and I'm going to audition each of you for my private class. Bachelor number one, you're a dirty old man. Take it. Oh, come on, over here. It's fucking weird, right? The lady's weird too. The lady's too weird. Uh, you're a dirty old man. It's fucking weird, right? What okay. The fuck? I've got one more clip for you. I've got one more clip. These are just getting progressively creepier. I know, right? All right, I kind of. I kind of okay. The first clip was just like him being introduced as like in his spare time you'll find him skydiving or riding motorcycles, and it's mm. just like a cool dude. In the second clip, you're like this guy's fucking weird, and then in the last clip, I kind of I kind of like him. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like so. Like yeah, just 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 have a listen. All right. A bachelor number one. I am serving you for dinner. Oh. <laughs> what are you called? And what do you look like? I'm called the banana, and I look really good. Uh, can you be a little more descriptive? Peel me. Well, it's actually pretty funny. I mean, it's fucking weird, and you can see the soullessness in his eyes. I don't think he's hot anymore because I saw his teeth. He's a weird-looking guy. When you, so, when you, when you, if you look at a freeze frame, you might be like, oh, I would, but. 
The way he moves his face. Also, yeah, his the way Very honestly scary. you watch it, the way the way he moves his face is like his eyes just don't move. He looks like you know those those robots who have been built to like sort of emulate human yes. faces. He literally looks like that. Yes. He looks like a sociopath who has studied a face, which is almost certainly what he is. Yeah. Uh, Fuck. Do, do you know the craziest part? Motherfucker, he won. What? He won a date with the Bachelorette. He won. You mean that, that crazy show. drama teacher? Yeah. Oh, they seem perfect for each other. Yeah, they Fair seem enough. fucking crazy. No, they're, they're I'm both joking. nuts though. The the woman Cheryl Cheryl Bradshaw. Uh, it never happened, the date, because she fucking, she just refused to date him. Really? He was so fucking creepy. Oh the guy, my God. The guy who was bachelor number two mm. is quoted as saying like, he was a weird guy with some fucking weird opinions. So obviously he was just going around going like, saying really fucked up shit. And the other guys were like, <laughs> okay. And then they aired it as like, not that. It was like behind the scenes creepiness. Yeah. I'm assuming. No, no, no. They, they, he didn't seem that creepy on the stage. Right. Um, some people speculate that like, the rejection is what made him go even crazier. Like nah, crank, probably not. Cranked his murdering up to 11, but I agree with you. I, I don't think so. No. He was already like three bodies deep. Like, yeah. He was fine. Yeah. So that's Rodney Alcala. That's good the job. serial killer. I very much enjoyed those clips. Yeah. I, I think they were good. I fucking like, please go watch the video because like, yeah. it's so late 70s in so the way disturbing. it's delivered. And it's just really weird. Anyway. Yeah. So there we go. This has been Killing It The Crimecast. You can find us on Twitter at Killing It Crime. You can find us on Instagram at Killing It Crimecast. And you can find us on Etsy at, I think, Killing It Crimecast as well. We just opened it. I don't know. But there'll be a link in the show notes. With our new merchandise. <laughs> also, uh, rate and review on iTunes. And uh, yeah, I, I hope you enjoy this one. We'll see you next time. <laughs>